Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. My name is Molly Silva and as always, I am joined by my extraordinary co-host. I'm coming up with a new adjective yeah, every no, single week. <laughs> uh, Keely, Dakota and Georgia. On today's show, you can expect a chat on Anthony Mundine's retirement and what his legacy means for Australian boxing. Also, we reflect on the athletes that we love to hate, even though they're controversial. We also chat about an injury that disproportionately impacts female athletes, but we haven't really thought about before, and we share our own embarrassing injuries. But most excitingly, we have a chat lined up with the phenomenon on Instagram that is NRL Physio. He sits down with Keely to have a chat about the injuries that we are seeing in the NRL and why they are so prevalent. Let's kick off with our standard MVPs of the week. You're the real MVP. This is MVPs of the week where we award someone or something with our MVP for just being legends and bringing us a bit of joy. Who wants to kick us off? Keely Silver, you look keen and ready to go. <laughs> do I? Yeah, you do. Oh, in, I'm in so your glad standard, I'm radiating that energy. It's your, it's your Rodman shirt. It's I think it always Rodman brings shirt. the energy. I flipped it today. Yeah, I see it's, that. I don't know if people have realised, but it's irreversible. <laughs> we thought maybe one for the podcast, one for the interviews. Yeah. One side. Yeah, no, I haven't no? done that. Okay. I've um, got thoughts. my Terry Lamb shirt now for ooh, interviews. Ooh, yeah. Nice. yeah, that's fine. Right, right. Anyway, moving on. My MVP this week and a few of these people are listeners, so they'll be very happy and I'm sure I'll be getting feedback from them. It is my young under-19s Tasha Gale uh, rugby league team. Um, they're the Sharkies and they're my MVP. On Thursday night, we had a team bonding session and the coaching staff left it up to me. And of course, I did a dancing competition and they got split up into groups and they had to make up dances, um, which they took on board really nicely and they impressed me more than I thought, which I told them. Um, and they backed it up with a massive win on Saturday versus the Tigers. So just stoked with them and shout out to the gals. Love that. And I think um, you got to give a shout yeah, out to girl. one one team in particular. Everyone had to come up with a team name, Oh, didn't yeah, they? right. So one of the girl, one of the teams, uh, they had to tell me their team name before they performed and I announced it. And I said, oh, so what's your guys' team name? And they said, huh, Chicks and Balls, which was, oh, yeah. yeah, obviously very clever, very funny. Um, extra points for them, but yeah. I thought you deducted points. No, I just was like, oh, I'm going to show real favoritism here. <laughs> so I had to like play it cool. <laughs> Well, we back them. Um, Dakota, let's go to you. Who's your MVP this week? My MVP goes to, well, I guess it's a thing, but two people, um, tri-savers. Over the weekend in the NRL, we saw two massive game-changing tri-savers oh. in the end. Sorry, Georgia. Yeah, one <laughs> of them, I was going to say one of them Georgia's the not going to be happy about. Yeah, um, and then our boy Rodgy in the Warriors, I think that was a great comeback as well. But, um, yeah, love a tri-saver, especially those two. just shows the athleticism in the sport where it's going. It's great. Yeah, we were screaming and jumping up and down. Yeah, look, I was going room. for the storm, not going to lie. Yeah, but Kikau, he's just a big fella, eh? And yeah. he just held him up and it was um, heartbreaking for, for you, George. I was shaking your head. Um, but, <laughs> we'll talk but about the pre- Warriors one then, Rogie. Yeah. Great yeah. man. Yeah, we love him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Georgia, who's your MVP? My MVP of the week goes out to the AFL and specifically the good mates of Danny Frawley. Uh, lovingly known as Spud, who passed away about 18 months ago in a car crash with um, some pretty heavy mental health concerns at the time. So in the inaugural Spud's game over the weekend, uh, they 
did a minute to talk instead of a minute silence, which was really cool and just encouraged the crowd and everyone watching at home to have a chat to the people beside them or the people on their couch and talk about how things are going and for them at home and in life and in work and all that sort of stuff. And I just thought it was a really great initiative and obviously a really important topic worldwide, let alone in sport, is mental health. So, yeah, a minute to talk instead of a minute silence. I loved it. I really like that. Yeah, it's really cool. I watched it and it's like a nice movement. Had, yeah, had a little cry, with. of course, because um, everything makes me cry. Oh, shock me. Um, but it was, it, yeah, I think it's such a great concept and I, I think, yeah, everyone could take that on. Uh, my MVP, uh, I have two MVPs because oh. I came up with the first one when I watched it and then the second one came later. The first one is uh, Megan Rapinoe. I think that's how you say her last name. You definitely know her face and you would know her from this that iconic photo of her after she scored a goal in the last um, – I think it was a Women's World Cup. Or, um, yeah. She plays she plays for America in, yeah, for in the, soccer. Yeah. She's the captain. Great team. She's got like cool kind of pink hair. I think, yeah, yeah. Most I of the time. Anyway, she's killer. She's really badass. And she did a speech alongside President Joe Biden in the States at a congressional hearing uh, on a day that America marked as Equal Pay Day, which is really about uh, drawing attention to the remaining gender pay gap. And she just gave this killer speech that was very much a mic drop moment and talked about how the women's soccer team in America has won the World Cup four times, most recently in 2019, and it has actually sued the US Soccer Federation that same year over wage discrimination because they do bring so much revenue with their success and things like that um, and all this kind of stuff. But it was a really powerful speech. Yeah, on that, Marley, I... I was such a huge fan of what uh, Megan had to say and Margaret Purse, who joined her along, is also an uh, American soccer player and the best line I think I've ever heard around the um, pay gap debate was she got up in front of uh, Joe Biden and his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, and everyone else that was in the room and said, invest in women and come and talk to us again once you've seen the return. And I just thought it was so brilliant being like the best way we can show you that this is worth it is the return that you will definitely get from it. So I really liked that. I thought it was great. I highly recommend going and watching that. But my second MVP um, (laughs) is actually myself because on Saturday night, I I actually, I woke up Sunday morning going, man, thank you like past Marley because when Keely and I went out for a few drinks on Saturday night, very spontaneously again, as like Keely's last MVP was, we were just keeping that up. Anyway, and you know, you get really hungry um, when you come home from a night out, whatever, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to make myself a toasted sandwich. And then I realized there was like uh, frozen oven fries in the, in the freezer. And I actually waited and cooked the oven fries. I didn't burn myself. Wow. And it was like a really long process that took about – you know, 40 minutes extra. I could have been in bed, you know, ready to go. Could but I really, some chips. I committed to I literally to got the McDonald's chips. on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't get, I don't know. I, I get like anxious about asking an Uber driver to stop at Macca's. So, and I also <laughs> so am a vegetarian. I'm also a vegetarian <laughs> and it wasn't going to like satisfy me, you know, having a, a Big Mac without the well meat and putting chips on. But yeah, I, I, I gave myself an MVP badge Sunday morning um, for feeding myself because then I woke up feeling fresh as a daisy. And mum was also really impressed. And I cleaned up, put things in the dishwasher. Wow. There was no mess. I was like, who am I? I'm proud of myself. It's um, not going to be happening this weekend, I'll tell you that much for free. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that one. But, yeah, that was our MVPs. 
Touchdown! Now it's time for a segment that we like to call Around the Grounds, where we dive into some of the biggest headlines from sports media from the week that's gone by that we just can't get out of our minds. Last week, Anthony the Man Mundine announced his retirement after a 22-year boxing career. That's amazing. That's actually in itself. Exactly. In, yeah, incredible. That could I didn't just know, be I didn't the one was, line. Yeah, I didn't know it was that long. Exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't know that either. With this announcement came a big discussion about Mundine, his legacy and the impact on the Australian community. What can't be denied is that he has an incredible athletic talent. As most of you would probably know, before coming across to boxing, he spent eight years playing first grade rugby league. He won a premiership with the Brisbane Broncos in the Super League and represented New South Wales at state of origin level. And he also played for St. George. Um, and I remember that team was like so stacked with um, Aboriginal players. We call them blackfellas. And I just remember the, the backflip. Uh, back yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, he was such a phenomenal talent in that sense. He was so, I remember him being so fast and killer and then to make it in one sport and come across to another again is such an incredible feat but what he'll most likely be remembered for is the headlines he created throughout his career through the reporting of his retirement there was a lot of the headlines that he had made that came back up and I didn't realize how intense some of them were because I think we were quite young when they came about one of them being that um when the 9-11 terrorist attacks happened he actually came out and said that America brought it on themselves which is so intense um and he's also made some pretty homophobic comments and most recently has been a big vocalist in the anti-vax COVID conspiracy theory movement. So controversial is probably an understatement. But the thing that was really surprising was through this announcement of his retirement, there was a stark juxtaposition between, you know, those headlines and, and that boxing persona that he has become renowned for and a seemingly very generous and humble man that he was to so many in real life, so to speak. So in the press conference uh, where he talks about his retirement, there was a really special story that NRL great Gordon Tallis shared um, about when uh, Tallis's sister was dying and, and um, Mundine went up and went to support um, his sister and, and just kind of dropped everything for that. And then also, <laughs> so randomly, surf champ Kelly Slater called in um, and FaceTimed him during the press conference and just talked about how much she loved Chalk. And a whole bunch of other athletes came out to share their love and respect for him publicly. So... He also apologised for those headlines he's made. And I guess all this whole story in its entirety has really, um, you know, raised some questions for, for us personally. Um, you know, for Keely and I, our dad has had a personal relationship with Anthony Monday, who we call Chalk, um, through most of our life. I used to get in arguments with kids in the school playground, especially when he was um, fighting Danny Green. Oh, Do you yeah. remember that era? And everyone went for Danny Green. Yeah, everyone was going for Danny Green. And we were like, nah, Chalk's the best. Like, yeah. you don't even know people were like, oh, nah, He's bad, blah, blah, blah. Like we used to get into fights with kids about that stuff. And I just wonder, I wanted to put to the group for starters, like, yeah, what do we think about his legacy? And what do you guys remember from that media coverage throughout his career? Because it's been most of our lives. Uh, for me, I think similar to you, we grew up and he was, yeah, a friend of dad's, like, you know, so close, uh, such a close relationship that I think that my brain has subconsciously remembered the good things and him being a really good athlete. Uh, and that's just me being super transparent. Um, and I do remember the headlines and I remember that coming into conversation as we got older. I think a couple of times when things were said or stated, mum and dad kind of sat us down and we spoke about it. I do remember a few times, I can't remember exactly um, what headlines they were, but 
for me, that's what I remember. I remember him being an athlete and that's just me being genuinely honest. Mm. I don't, yeah. Only over, as we become adults, have I really looked at it and been like, oh, shivers. Like, Yeah, we had rose-coloured glasses on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I feel like don't take away, like, as you said, 22, like, year long career he achieved some amazing things making origin making nrl becoming doing the box i think i read somewhere he won 48 and lost 11 boxing matches like that in itself is unbelievable um but i don't know him Mm. and all i remember as a child as you said i don't remember the headlines as such but i just remember him being super controversial and in a negative way Yeah. yeah um but also, I just remember – I feel like I remember just brushing it off saying, like, oh, just him talking shit again. Yeah. Like, it's just a facade. It's a show. Yeah, that's what it it's, came across as. Hey? Yeah, it like, it's his just persona. entertainment and yeah. that's who he wants to be and you're just like, oh, yep, Chuck's talking shit again. On <laughs> He's just trying to make a headline and yeah. you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't believe anything he says. It's just like, whatever. whatever yeah. But, yeah, as an athlete, one of Australia's – like, would have has to be one of Australia's best, like, multi-sport athletes, mm. definitely – but, yeah, everything he said I took with a grain of salt. I was just like, yeah, shut up, mate. <laughs> what about Play you, on? Georgia? It's funny, of all the controversial headlines that Chop caused, the one that I remember and will never forget is he came out and called Storm Pretenders in their run to the grand final in their second year in the league. Because I remember, like, people in my life being, like, really offended and, like, annoyed by that and really channeling that anger in the grand final. That, for the record, we ended up beating him in. Um But, no, I think my take on this whole thing is that at his core, he's a boxer and boxing and I suppose like sort of MMA and those different brands of fighting sports are kind of the one sport that we forgive athletes for having these really over-the-top, very self-indulgent personalities in. If you talk about like Muhammad Ali or any of the greats in the sport, some of the stuff they say, self-praising, Athletes in team sports and Australian sports specifically would never get away with. And I think because we have had, I mean, Australia's had some amazing boxers, but it's probably not, they're not the boxers that we know and remember. So we don't, as Australians, A, we're very self-deprecating people and we've got huge issues with tall poppy syndrome, but because they're not athletes that we see regularly and that are probably the better known athletes in Australia, we have a really low tolerance for people who are, outwardly self-confident and I think that although he played team sports and succeeded in them he was always a boxer at heart and therefore always had that really outwardly confident persona which and look he made some controversial headlines this isn't all about self-confidence but I think that is sort of where the love to hate bit comes in Australians don't really like people who like themselves that's a really good point hey yeah, I actually yeah. didn't even think yeah, about it like that yeah I, and I think it's interesting because a lot of the a few headlines that I was reading as well with people talking about his legacy were comparing him to Floyd Mayweather in the states and not on a you know success level because Mayweather is you know pretty hard to touch (laughs) he's like the best you know of the modern era um and but more in in the kind of this ability to tell a story around the boxing entertainment value and how obviously you look at the kind of timing of all the headlines around chalk they're always connected to a big fight so it makes sense like it does make sense and i think yeah it's the only sport where we let people be that kind of you know next level well you think about it when like anyone who's an individual athlete, like Usain Bolt, like how mm. you know, he runs not that, the line like but this. yeah, but not that he 
has made many controversial headlines, but the confidence that he yeah. has and the way that he speaks and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the best and I've shown you pretty much. Mm. And I think that Georgia made a really good point in the sense that it's individual athletes. Mm. Yeah, it's Another example of that would be like Kyrgios. We all can't stand him and we all on the news and like, oh, not again. I actually love it. Yeah, yeah. But I love him. <laughs> love him and love that he's made like – Tennis exciting again, and I I love him, but also I think shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was my next question was going to be in, to lead off this into discussion of who are those athletes that we love, we love to hate, and we kind of you see that cockiness or, or see that little bit of controversy. But as much as we might bag them or tell them to shut up, we also froth on it. My number one at the moment, currently playing, is Curios, and I think yeah. he has su- had such a redemption arc from like being just this gronk who like chucks a wobbly and all this sort Throws of stuff, racket to gun. to being like you know the champion of of COVID safety, like yeah. coming for Djokovic. I'm like, yes, yes. like that's so good. Yeah. I think another good one, just for an example of um, a team sport one. Weird. You're totally gonna hate me here. Cameron Smith. Everyone mm. loves him. He is one of the best players that will ever play it's rugby not, league. But okay. if he's not in your team, you hate him yeah. because he <laughs> will ruin you winning whatever team he plays in. So it's like I don't go for the storms. I'm like round games. I like, hate him. Hate him. I'm a Queenslander, so I'm like yeah, yeah, go Cameron. <laughs> but hate him if he's ever in a team against me. And I feel like that's where in team sports you more like to hate the player, mm. not the game. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, hate the player, hate the game. The best example of people hating Cameron Smith is when he got booed at his own um, testimony game with JT. It was a game literally for him and JT who were like best mates and he was lining up to kick and the crowd at Suncorp, like Queensland's home ground, started booing him. And he's just turned around, lifted his arms up. He's like, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love a little bit of... Um, cockiness in an athlete like but I think we are more forgiving of international ones like it it, oh, it definitely. definitely is yeah, no, harder to that. but yeah I, I feel know. like as Australians we love sport we don't love bullshit where mm. America's love sport but they love the drama and the bullshit like so they it's like a they it's like reality to them yeah. it's reality tv where in Australia we're all like oh shut up yeah like yeah, we yeah. don't love we don't thrive on I that even much. think about like you know, someone like Michael Phelps, who was so dominant in the pool and, like, we hated him because he kind of was, I mean, so good for starters, but also was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, I know I am. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah. It's like, you yeah, know? How yeah. dare you? Yeah. You win that many gold medals and you know yeah. that you're good? Urgh. You worked so hard for this? What? And it's so funny because, yeah, like, there's, there's I can't think of a woman who's like that because she just wouldn't survive two seconds. No, they should get eaten alive. Yeah, I only remember um, Serena Williams. Serena? Serena, for sure. I think people love to hate her. She's got so much. She oh, so yeah, much. yeah, yeah. But I don't think she's overly cocky, though. No. It's it's just because she's she is the best. And just... I feel like the only sport that is like that would be the UFC because it's that's what it's created around. Like yeah. the men do it, so you do it. It's like when Ronda Rousey and all that were in there, she was pretty cocky and yeah. she was in there like, I'm the best. And they look at each other and do the whole weighing. Like that's the persona around that whole sport. So I feel like that's pretty much the yeah. only sport where women can come out and there say like, be, I'm better than you. There'd probably be some netballers. Oh, who you'd love to hate. Oh, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like cocky ones. No, 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 not heaps cocky. I was like, yeah. <laughs> who yeah, are you yeah. going to say? Controversial. No, love to hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few that I get. Yeah, yeah. like with. damn you. Yeah, and but then would love you on my team. team yeah. yeah, you play Aussie Diamonds. Like, yeah, yeah. I think Latrell Mitchell's another good example at the moment, and also 
steering away from NRL for a second, Patrick Dangerfield and Joel Selwood in the Geelong Cats, people love to hate them. And Joel does the really controversial thing where he like supposedly falls into highs and he's got a very prone prone to blood noses. Um, But yeah, people love to hate them. They're really good. They're really successful. They've played for a team that's had some dynasties through the modern era. And I mean, you can't really deny their talent and their ability to lead a team, but God, Love to hate. Yeah. Another one that I've just thought of, but I think is probably the opposite in the sense that he's so cocky, but like everyone loves him. Conor McGregor. How did we forget him? I was going to say him before, but I was like, it's different. No, we don't hate him. No. We just are like, even though, you know. Because I feel like he's a character though. No one looks at him. He's an Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, like he is a character, and that's mm. what that you. He's a character. Yeah, and that's like the the perfect I've, example. I don't think I've I watched one of his fights once, and it was his last one, and that was the only one I've ever watched. But I know who he is. I know his song. I know his liquor. <laughs> I follow him on Instagram. I love Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never watched one of his fights. Yeah, other than the last one he had. Yeah, it's a very strong brand, yeah. and I think it's also because he's Irish. Like hundred percent, hundred percent. Everyone think, loves the Irish. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do an accent. Not gonna try. Go on, sing it. I think you'll find plenty of English people who don't like Conor McGregor, but that's more like a nation rivalry. They'll just hate any other. Yeah, any other. yeah, we're probably right. It's probably good too. We're just from an Australian context. I feel like we all get around. Oh, Bam Bam Tuivasa, another one. You know Bam Bam? You guys know Bam Bam? <laughs> Our faces. He's you. He's like the big the, Aussie. Oh no, USA I do know Bam Bam. Yeah, yeah, I do. Everyone carries on about him. Yeah, because yeah. he's hilarious. He's yeah. from the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. from the west. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he does shoes yeah. in that, and he, he won, won last week. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know. I watched. Come on, guys. I watched. Yeah. Sorry, he's another. Like, you just looked at me like. Yeah, we both. Yeah. Looked, and I was like, huh? Oh, yeah. I know yeah, who he is, but I watched your your mouth move, but I didn't hear what you said. I was like, no. This week, we have got injuries on our mind big time. First off, this report came through Triple J's The Hack Program, revealing an injury that affects female athletes that feels so obvious, now I've read it, but is one we haven't really thought about that much until now. Keely, do you want to tell us how this one came to us? Yeah, I just want to give a little shout out to uh, the captain of my touch team that I played in a couple of weeks ago, Alin, who actually sent this to me during the week and was like, I think this would be really good content for the podcast and uh, she's a, royal, a very loyal listener. So shout out to Lynn. Yeah. And anyone who does have like headlines and stuff, oh, yeah, send them through. Get yeah. in those DMs. And it was, yeah, super Party. cool, obviously, super interesting. Yeah. So what this was all talking about was breast injuries. So, I, I, yeah, it feels really obvious, like I said. So I can't say it affects me too much. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I probably didn't think about it because we're part of the itty bitty titty committee. Um, But yeah, okay. You can appreciate though. Yes. And to to get a bit more serious on the facts, (laughs) um, Dr. Deirdre McGee is an associate professor at the University of Wollongong and one of only a few people in the whole world who is studying breast injuries in sports. She says there's a high amount of players experiencing these injuries, but she's surprised to know how few are reporting them. It's reported that there's about 48% of uh, of female athletes have previously had an injury to their breasts and there was also a uh, a player who was interviewed for this article and she described that um, these injuries can look like bruising swelling and pain can be in the area for up to 48 hours and they can come from she was an AFL um, W player then and she could get she got these injuries from elbows boots to her chest and balls to her chest um and yeah, other other sorts of contact. But only ten percent of those athletes who have had 
um, breast injuries actually report them to a physio and seek help, which is crazy. And again, it just it just seems so bizarre. Have you guys ever? I know, uh, like we said, don't have a lot of breast tissue going on, um, <laughs> but uh, and for me, I was thinking about this and definitely copped an elbow. Yeah, uh, I've reflecting on it, have had injuries because I have my nipple pierced. Um, so like, okay, we're going to share <laughs> that. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. I like, who cares? And it, that has made that so much more painful, but I just figured it was because of the piercing, not, but it's probably, I don't know. I, oh, I would have copped an elbow too, but I don't remember something specific. I remember it all being like ribs. When I say I play footy, everyone always like, do your boobs hurt? Like oh, it's always, always that is you. always the first mm. question I get. Oh my god, are you scared? Oh my god, do your boobs hurt? Like that is, and I can happily say I've never had a, I guess a breast or boob injury. Mm. Um, I can confidently say my like my cartilage in between my breasts is completely torn and gone. Like oh I, it hurts to breathe sometimes. So that. But I feel like that's maybe because I don't have boobs and I just get elbowed awkwardly. I don't know. But I think um, there is ways to, I guess, um, counteract it. So obviously wearing a proper sports bra, Mm. holding them up and right does help because it means they're not moving around. They're not in places they shouldn't be when they get hit. Also, I think it comes into a lot of um, when you're getting tackled or making tackles, knowing positional where your body should be, like technically what – when you tackle or when you're getting tackled, your breasts shouldn't be exposed. They shouldn't be getting hit by elbows and things like that. And that is where I've come into issues when girls have run at me and put their elbow up oh to God. like the, cover the ball that, that and that's where it hits. But knowing how to tackle and knowing how to get tackled and things like that, I think will prevent and help <laughs> these injuries. You're just <laughs> holding her boobs right now thinking out. And sorry to, to anyone who's listening who's doing the same. Because I, I, when I was first reading this, especially like the idea of boot to breast. Yeah. Oh, hurts me so much just thinking about but it. But like how awkward would that position have to be for that to happen? I think it makes more sense in AFL than NFL. Yeah. Because, you know, you just end You're up diving, piling on, yeah. on top of each other. Aren't the male population listening to this podcast going to be stoked with this conversation? Well, they always yeah. ask. They're yeah, the, they're yeah, the first ones Intrigued. to ask. Intrigued. If you have sore boobies. <laughs> what about you? What are your thoughts, Georgia? Um, yeah, I was looking back trying to think if I've ever had any issues when I used to play a bit of touch footy, but I feel like I just, I like, I feel like you hurt them from time to time diving, but no more than sort of just like winding yourself or whatever. Like if you get, I don't know, caught in an awkward dive or like I've copped a couple of boots to the chest, but I have had the same issue with the cartilage in like my higher ribs around that area before um had some cartilage damage but no I I don't know it's a weird one because you'd think it would almost just happen to anyone who's in a sport that is involved in like diving and or tackling but maybe we just don't pay enough attention to it because it just feels like an injury like you would hurt your arm for us like it's pretty second nature yeah I think it's uh, the most interesting part of this to me I think is the low reporting and I wonder if there's like going to be long-term damage for a lot of these girls mm-hmm. who are coming up as they're developing as well. I, th- I yeah. feel like the no reporting would just be purely the fact that like, oh, it's just a bruise, it'll yeah. go away kind yeah. of thing. Like I don't know yeah. if many people would actually be like, oh, this is an actual injury. Because yeah. I know if it happened to me, I'd be like, oh, it'd be sweet. That would be my thoughts. Yeah. That would be my thoughts. I think that if I did get injured, I'd just be like, A, this can't be treated or like it just would like – I don't think I would be like, oh, that's an injury, like a knee or a shoulder or something that I should report. I think I'd just be like, this is just 
part and parcel. My Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Like if I did hurt my boob, how would I treat that? Like what, are you going to get it rubbed out? Physio? We yeah. Have, we have, you, is yeah, it, you can go to a women's health physio. Oh, and oh, they so do that. Yeah, they'd be so able to treat you it. I didn't even know that. And yeah. I think also in this same article they were talking about how um, because so many elite coaches, even in the female um, leagues, are, are, are men, there there is not that discussion and even not that education around that. But while we're on the subject of, of injuries, let's step away from the boob talk for a second. Um, and I I think we all have some some good chat about what what's your um, – most embarrassing or your most bizarre injury? I will win this, just so you know, but you guys can kick off. Okay, I'm going to go really nerdy here, but probably the strangest and most annoying injury I've had uh, was last the end of last year, I had a stress fracture in my fibula, uh, which is just... Tell us which bone that is, please. It's, a, it's the little bone in your leg. It's the outside one. So it's not your shin bone. It's the other one on the outside. Uh, and I, it's a non-weight-bearing bone, so it's... Not affected by walking, like you. It's a oh. the weight bearing bone is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's a non weight bearing bone. So I that was just bizarre to me initially because I was like, hey, well, how did this happen then? But it was another number of other things. Anyway, I'm good now. Yeah. Dakota, what about you? What's your um, I'm gonna weird give injury? You a embarrassing one. Um, take you right back to when I was 18. Finished oh, high school. Sure, oh, this is so one. good. No, we great know this. Great day, great day. Finished high school. Yeah, <sighs> in the Sutherland Shire, we like to do a thing called fridge to fridge. It's um, <laughs> when you start at someone's house, you will have a beverage, you know, um, and then you bike ride to the next person's and there was four stops in ours. Um, halfway through, I was on, on my bike, not my bike, a friend's bike, um, going down a slight incline, not even a hill, I wouldn't even call it a hill, um, turned around, realised I was by myself. What do I do? Slam the brakes on. Um, back brake doesn't work straight over the handlebars. Thank God I was wearing a helmet. Obviously, put my arm out to save myself, and I landed in the on the gutter, like from a crime scene. Like leg <laughs> leg whipped up, back, and <laughs> automatically I was pretty much half a case in, cr- hysterically crying. Um, credit to myself, finished it. Went to the hallway. Wait, so what's your injury? Okay, get in there. Oh. Call mum. Wait, you finished the fridge finished to fridge? Finished the fridge to fridge. That was wow. halfway through. Finished the fridge to fridge. Got home. Called mum at the last stop and was like, mum, you've got to come pick me up. I've got to go to the hospital. And she was like, what the? So she's come and picked me up. We've gone to the hospital. Um, mind you, the theme of the fridge to fridge was ne- I would never be caught. And so what you're wearing, I was wearing flared three-quarter denim jeans, white Velcros, um, and this 10-year-old boy T-shirt. So I'm <laughs> in the hospital. And because I was with my mum and um, – I was 18, but I was with my mum, so they put me in the child's room. So I have this beautiful photo of me, Olaf and Anna, <laughs> sitting on the chair with my arm in a sling. Anyway, fractured my arm in three places. I had a, this massive bruise from the seam of my pants on my inner thigh that stayed I working with me for a month and that line stayed on my leg for like a year. But, um, yeah, had to do my HSE with a scribe. Oh, loved that. my That's life. That's the best. So, like, don't ride box drink. <laughs> yeah. Good, Good life lesson, you. Georgia. Um, I used to have heaps of injuries as a kid. I was just like pretty uncoordinated in general. My probably worst one, the injury. It's isn't embarrassing, but the way I got it is kind of. I um had my ribs broken playing rugby sevens in high school, but that sounds really dramatic. One rib, but I was 15 at the time and we had a pretty strong touch team at our school so they sort of just put the touch girls into a sevens 
team and we're like, Neil will be able to run around them. And it was an opens division and I was too young to play opens in a contact sport. So the ruling was that if you could get a physio and like a level two coach of the specific sport signing off to say you're physically competent enough to play in the division up, you could play. So my school and my mum, who was the coach slash PE teacher, got a physio and a coach to sign off on me being physically competent to play in the opens division. First game, first tackle, hit late, broken ribs, rest of the game cancelled, carried off in an ambulance. So not physically competent. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Yeah. So we've got some good mums here. Yeah. Great yeah. mums. Yeah. Uh, well, at least you gave it a go. Yeah, um, <laughs> a it's a good story. I just know what your story is going to be because I was there. But go on. Wait, which one are you thinking of? What are you thinking of? Oh, I've got, well, I've got multiple. Okay, just fun fact for the people. Marley is so uncoordinated <laughs> and literally falls over all the time and will literally message in our chat. I just said literally twice or whatever. <laughs> we'll message in our family group chat. Guys, I fell up the stairs again today. Just all the time. So I thought I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah I know what you're thinking. So this ha- both of these happened within a 10-month period. So I had been that annoying kid who was like, I've never broken a bone, I've never broken a bone, and then just jinxed myself. In PE at school, I, we were playing Oztag, mixed Oztag, uh, and you know, I think the teacher was just passing the time, and I got a little bit carried away and was trying to be a show-off and making lots of tags, made a few tags in um, – because the only time I would look any good is in a school comp. Oh, Not making my nose cringe, honestly. Yeah. And one of my best mates um, was playing against me and he runs a bit funny with his elbows out. <laughs> so I went to take his tag. He's also a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Sorry, Storm. Um, and he, I went for his tag and he just elbowed me in the face and um, broke my nose straight away. The the sound, like that's the thing I remember the clearest oh, was the sound. I like, got PTSD from And I, it didn't hurt that much. Like honestly, I don't know if you remember that from your nose. It didn't oh, hurt that, that much. mine killed. Really? I don't know if it was just the impact the and the shock for me. Because I just stood up and I was like, and everyone stopped on the field and was like, oh, what was that sound? And I just went, oh, and then blood just started gushing out of my nose. And we had to go to the little like locker room. Uh, like one of my other mates was like helping me with all this blood. I had all this blood, and I was like, quick, pretty quickly stopped crying because honestly the pain wasn't that bad. And then my mate who had done it came in, and he was like white, like so horrified that he'd obviously just broken my nose. And um, anyway, he was like helping me. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's fine, it's fine, and whatever. I go to the doctors. We find out it's broken. Have to have surgery. The whole shebang. Three days later, he comes to my house like with, you know flowers and chocolates as, as an apology and I'm like no it's really it's fine whatever whatever and then he realizes it's all okay and in relaxing he went I just have to say I've never seen so much snot in my life oh. because that was the thing that traumatized him the most oh, yeah. when I like pulled tissue away like oh, kind of wipe no, can we not the blood off my face then there was all this snot and I have really bad hay fever and allergies and it's the mo- easiest I've ever breathed in my life post breaking my nose just so you know and then 10 months later this is the one that Keely was present for. We were playing um, this school is touch. Such a better story. It's so funny. <laughs> school touch. I had my um, Oztag, like outside of school Oztag grand final that night. And mum had been like to me, I don't know if you should play this touch tournament because, like, you have this Oztag grand final tonight and you want to be able to play in it and blah, 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 blah. And I think you're going to injure yourself. So she jinxed me again. Damn. Good work, Deb. Um, and when I was 
made a touch, running backwards, straight up just tripped over my own feet. <laughs> kind of did a backwards oh roly-poly, jumped up, and, like, I felt a sharp pain in my wrist. And I jumped up and I was like, I'm sweet, like, tried to run for a little bit and then realised there was something wrong and just kind of screamed and ran off the field and had a broken wrist. So that was great as well. I could also tell the story about when I kicked my heels up to the side, landed on my ankle weird and <laughs> did a grade two tear in my ankle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really bad with injuries. We obviously could talk about our own injuries for a long time, but while we're on the subject again, and I think this was a really poignant time to have this conversation because over the weekend, specifically in the NRL's third round, we saw some really horrific injuries and some bad head knocks and all that kind of stuff. And Just ha- a quick shout out to our good friend Curtis Scott who – actually yeah. played through his game with a fractured rib. Oh, yeah. Which they is, said it was floating. Well, I spoke to him after and he's like, yeah, it's fractured. I was like, oh, well, please get that sorted. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So things like that, basically in every single game there was something like this. And so we thought it would be really awesome to sit down um, with someone who has become a really big voice in this space around injuries, around educating the, the public. Like I love watching his posts about this sort of stuff. It helps me understand it. And especially for someone like you, Keely, who was the first year graduate. Total girl. Uh, as physiotherapy so kills you got to sit down with brian from nrl physio to chat all things injuries yeah uh really exciting and it should be interesting so here's the chat but thanks thanks for this thanks for taking the time out we're like super stoked uh, okay well first of all why did you start the platform nrl physio um look it's one of those things there wasn't really a plan to it uh i initially joined it started on twitter um so twitter i joined purely as i had a mate who said look i've got a a a spare number in an nfl fantasy league do you want to join and i'd never really watched an nfl game before didn't know what i was doing so i was like i said to him look i've got no idea what i do and he said look join join twitter and follow these accounts and that'll help you, you know, understand the players and all that kind of stuff. And sort of as I started jumping on there and following the guys over there and and you being a physio, you'll know like a, a lot of the information that I put out there, it, it, it's simple stuff, right? Like it's, it's stuff that day to day, you know, as physios, we tell to our patients, um, you know, and, and I guess I didn't realize just how valuable that information or how unique that information was to fans until I started sort of seeing what was going on over in the States. So there's, there's a few, well, there's a lot now, but certainly six or seven years ago when I first started out on Twitter, there was one or two uh, people over there who were putting out this information and, and I was sitting there going, but that's, that's really simple stuff. Like that's nothing groundbreaking, but pe- like people were just eating it up. Like they absolutely loved it. And I sort of went, Oh, okay, well that's a bit interesting. Um, and then had a look here and was like, look, there's not really much of that going on. Uh, so I changed, like, I can't remember it was some generic account I had before that. And I just changed it to NRL physio. Once again, I think everyone thinks it was some marketing idea, but I literally was just like, well, that's what, you know, uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about. I'm a physio talking about NRL. So why not? Um, yeah, and just started tweeting simple stuff from there and yeah, it just took off. So it certainly wasn't an original thought in that I, I definitely got the idea from over in the States, um, but I, I definitely didn't think it would get anywhere sort of this big. It's, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Um, do you believe that there were correlations between the disruption from COVID last year and all the injuries we saw in the back end of the season? Oh, big time. Yeah, like, I, like and I don't think that's a... 
that's a uh, an isolated thing to the NRL either. Like, you know, if you, you have a look, pretty much any sporting league, you know, NBA, EPL, there's a lots of studies that have come out. And the injury rate was huge across the world because, like, teams just had to, and professional sporting teams had to make so many, you know, sacrifices to get the games back up and running. Um, and in the NRL, you know, we had limited support staff. So, you know, that their, 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 you know, whether it be their physio rooms, their medical staff or their performance staff were cut because they, they were only allowed a certain number of people within the bubble. Um, you had players doing game day travel, so they're going up and back on a plane, you know, on game day, which isn't good for preparation or recovery. You got guys who, you know, there was no reserve grade. So guys, you know, if somebody got a hamstring injury, which were, there was heaps of them, the guy coming in to replace that guy wasn't playing footy, right? Like that, he was coming off the training park. So there's no, you know, load management-wise, it's, it's not a good situation. And then I think the, the biggest thing that stitched the NRL up a bit was the fact that sort of three weeks before they, like, they announced the resumption of the season and then they decided to change the rules as well, you know, like they brought in all these, you know, six again and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so teams had not only three weeks to sort of take players from isolation training to, to play, which is just ridiculous. Like, you know, anybody who works in the field is like, that's just a crazy thing to try and achieve, but then also take them back to a game that they'd never played before, um, you know, that, that it had new rules. So, yeah, I definitely think, um, yeah, the COVID situation had an influence, but I wouldn't sort of say that, yeah, it was isolated to the NRL. I think it stitched up, you know, um, sporting leagues across the world. Yeah, well, then I guess coming into this season, because there was a, I mean, round three of the NRL was a massive influx of injuries for that. Uh, do you think, you know, they all had a pre-season kind of to get back into normal routine, but do you think those rules are having a further influence now? Yeah, I think like the the weekend just gone was pretty massive. Um, you'd like to hope that it's an outlier, and I think like you know you, you sort of sit there and you're like, look, it's only three weeks in. Let's give it a bit of time. And I think you'd have to wait till sort of six or seven weeks have gone by to sort of really start to see if there's a pattern. But like the big thing with with I guess fatigue is that that the idea seems to be more fatigue, more fatigue, more fatigue, the better. And and there just comes a breaking point. Now, where that breaking point is, who knows? Um, I did a did a big thread sort of looking at uh, the fatigue and, and what the evidence tells us the influence is on injury rates um, late last year. And, and the answer is, is that, that there's goods and bads, right? Like if, if you have no fatigue and you have really fresh players, you've got guys who are hitting each other with maximal forces, you know, over and over and over again. So the collision, you know, forces and the chance for those kind of contact injuries went through the roof. But then if you had too much fatigue, you've got, you know, an increased risk of hamstring injury. Um, you know, there's there's evidence that potentially it increases your risk of concussion by getting yourself into bad positions in tackles, making poor decisions, that, that kind of thing. So, it's all about a balance and, and in between that freshness and that fatigue. And, and I think 
my initial gut feel is that potentially we've gone too far towards fatigue. So it's kind of maybe a little bit too far down the ledger, but I wouldn't be sort of making any sweeping statements until we've had a good couple of months to sort of have a look at it and see, because those freak weekends like the one just happened, that's, you know, they, they do happen. It's just now if that is part of a pattern um, that emerges over the next couple of months, I think, yeah, the NRL are going to have to have to, you know, um, stand up and take notice. Um, well, now the the new rule that got added, I only actually only read about it yesterday. Um, the new 18th man rule, so for the concussions, what's what's your thoughts on that? Oh well, I think it's a bit yeah. Like like I went back and had a look, and it would have been used twice in the last six years. So like like to be honest with you, what's the point? Um, like that's that that's kind of where I sit with it. Like you you know like three HIAs just doesn't happen all that often um and then not only that like if three HIAs happen which is what the rule is and then the the stipulation is it's got to be a development player like if you're talking about an event that only happens once every six years and the guy you're going to throw in to sort of help in that situation is a development player so a guy who isn't used to NRL footy like what are you exposing that development player to like you know it's a, it, it's not a good situation to throw them into so I, like I, I've been a massive um, a massive supporter of the 18th man for quite a while um, like not just you know I got accused of re- overreacting to what just happened on the weekend and that's why I was sort of talking about it but I, I've wanted it ever since we started taking concur- like you know started going through the HIA protocols and those kind of things because Effectively, you want to you want to be promoting guys admitting their concussion symptoms, right? That's that's a problem with our concussion testing at the moment. Is there's not there's these saliva tests and these eye movement tests that are coming out that potentially can diagnose it, but otherwise, concussion, especially on the sideline, is, is very much a you know it's a it's a symptom based, it's a you know clinical kind of you know impression test where you've got to ask the player, you know, do you are you, are you confused? Are you feeling? Are you haven't got headaches? Are you lightheaded? All that kind of stuff. And, you know, if a, if a player's in a position where there's already two guys who are injured and he's having a he's, – he's feeling pretty foggy or he's got some headaches or something like that, but he's like, oh, you know, I don't want to let my team down here. Like, I've got to get back out there. That's kind of the situation you want to try and avoid and you want to try and promote guys, you know, admitting that, yes, like, you know, I do have concussion symptoms. You want to be promoting that. So I think the 18th man rule is a fantastic idea. I think the stipulations – that they've put in place are, are, are like a very harsh, like it's like, I just can't see it. I, I really can't see it benefiting. Like that one of the reasons they talked about not putting it in was the cost of taking, you know, another player around and, you know, it's an extra play added on the end. Well, like you, you, you're taking another player around for an event that happens once every six years. Like, you know, you're like, what, what's the point? Like, it's it just, I don't think it's going to be very valuable for player safety at all. I think two HIAs, like, like two HIAs happen quite a bit in games. Like, I think those kind of situations, you know, a head clash between teammates or something like that. I think that's completely reasonable. Like I, like, I just think three HIAs, it just doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, I think it's, it's silly. And I think there's been so many like newer chats in the last few years and stuff that I've read just about like CTE and like long-term effects of concussions. And like, it's important. Like we need to pay attention to it. We need to look after these players. Absolutely. And that's exactly right.
Thank you so much to Brian from NRL Physio for making the time to sit down and have a bit of a physio nerd out with Keely. If you're enjoying that chat, there's an extended version of the full interview available as a bonus app that you can check out once you finish this one. Now we come to the final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch where we recommend what sport event or even a Netflix show that you should be watching for the week ahead. I will kick us off. I am very excited to say that uh, three out of the four of us uh, will be in Newcastle this long weekend for Easter. Let's go. And we will be watching the Rip Curl Newcastle Cup surfing. And I'm so excited. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to say. So well, I we're both excited. That. Yeah, we're both excited yeah. about this. God damn, you still man. <laughs> yeah, I actually typed back in Marley's Google Doc. God damn, you still man. So it's like so exciting because, again, it, it's one of the few international sporting events that's happening. It's, there's four legs of the WSL um, happening in Australia in the next couple of months. There, Yeah, I think Newcastle was the first one and then it's now. Is it Narrabeen next? I don't know. But anyway, really excited. There's going to be so many surfers around. Get to fangirl. I'm particularly excited to watch Tyler Wright. She's a favourite of mine. And yeah, uh, I cannot wait for Newcastle. I think we're going to have some good stories next week. Georgia's coming up. Uh, Well, I'll lead off after that because I did want to say that, but Molly stole it from me. So I'm going with a dogs-themed weekend. Um, as always, on Good Fridays, the grudge match that we usually go to every year in the NRL, which is the dogs versus the bunnies. Uh, but you can also spend your Friday night watching the Western Bulldogs in the AFL because uh, we're on fire at the moment. And as, quote, Georgia, the most entertaining team in the comp, duh. Duh. Which... Big facts. Not biased at so all. So they're both Friday Arvo. I mean, you have to flick between both because their times kind of clash. But go the dogs. I plead blue and white. Um, my one to watch this week is an NRL game um, on Saturday at 6.15. It's the Roosters versus the Warriors. I just think this is going to be a great game. Warriors have come into really good form. Mm. Their comeback on the weekend was unbelievable. Um, Roosters are one of the best teams in the comp, but Kiri's out as well. So which is be, really sad and a really big really, loss for them. Really big loss. Yeah. He's just an amazing player. He's a legend. But I just think the Warriors-Roosters um, game this week will be one to watch. Um, my one to watch was going to be the Tim Zoo fight, but I have just come to realise that will have already taken place by the time we go live with this episode. So my one to watch instead is our halftime huddle episodes, which are releasing this week. Our first one will already be out with Cami Dev and coming up is Malachi and following that is Jamie Lee Price. So definitely tune in to some really cool and insightful conversations there. Wherever you get your podcasts. Great plugging. Wherever Great plugging. <laughs> Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Nice. But yeah, or everyone who comes into contact with us, it just becomes immediately friends, friends of, the of the show. show. Oh, God, there's been a lot of birds and dogs and things in this record. I hope you guys have been able to hear them because it's it's some ambience. You know, it's not, not so much a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please keep giving us your feedback. Um, yeah, if you have any ideas for headlines and things we should be talking about, send it into those DMs. Slide, up. slide on in. Slide on in. Get around the cheek. Follow us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod. Subscribe or follow us on wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Give us a five-star rating if you're on Apple Podcasts. Share this podcast episode with your mates. Talk about your own embarrassing injuries and 
Have boobs. We talked a lot about boobs. <laughs> so <laughs> Men have boobs too. Uh, um, yeah. Thanks so much. We love hanging out with you. Cannot wait to speak to you again soon. Bye. Bye for now. See ya. Boobs. Oh. I was like, what did you do? I can't read. Boobies. <laughs>